Well, good morning. It's wonderful to have you all here. And it's particularly great to see that each of us successfully made it to church this morning. That's not always the case. In fact, sometimes getting to the cathedral takes significant effort and resourcefulness and patience. After all, the TTC continues to shut down the subway some weekends as they work to take a system built in the 1950s up to current standards. Or maybe you wake up and find that buses have replaced your streetcar as the TTC works to restore an aging fleet of vehicles. If you have a car, driving is no better, as many of us might have experienced today. Sometimes the DVP and the gardener are shut down, not only for marathons and bike rides like this morning, but to repair two highways that are used by more than 150,000 drivers daily. And only a few months ago was it that the York Bay Young exit on the Gardner reopened after a years-long project to realign the way the ramp connects to the roads. The author William Sidney Porter, better known by the pen name O. Henry, once said about New York City, it'll be a great place if they ever finish it. We live in a city constantly changing, constantly being made new by one infrastructure project after another. Maybe one of them will get done one day. One condo after another. A city being repaired one pothole after another. One subway shut down after another. And we see the evidence of it with every crane in the air, with every scaffold on the sidewalk, I've been uh, admiring, in principle anyway, the work that the construction crew has been doing just down the street here on the other side of church as they uh, diligently have tried to preserve the, uh, the front facade of an older building so that they can attach a 19-story office tower to it. And in the coming weeks, we'll see the temporary closure of St. James Park as the city reconfigures that space to meet the needs of a changing neighborhood a project which will see the new playground, which we just blessed last week, stay open, but also see a public space used by dog walkers and many of our inadequately housed locals alike displaced for many months, including many who will truly miss it because they feel it's a safer place than Moss Park or Allen Gardens. Parks and condos, trails and roads, train stations and malls, Making things new is a disruptive business. Fortunately for us, the readings of scripture we've heard this morning remind us that politicians and contractors are not the only ones involved in making things new. Because we place our trust in a God who is always making things new. Making things new is the path that we've been on through this whole Eastertide. These several weeks since Easter Sunday, we've been reading from two stories running in parallel from the book of Acts and the revelation to John of Patmos. In the book of Acts, we've heard about the journeys of Saints Peter and Paul as they went from town to town, country to country, planting and watering and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. We've heard about the church in its earliest days, and so we've heard how you and I came to be here today. In the book of Revelation, we've been hearing that holy vision given to John 
a vision describing God's glory and victory over the forces of evil, a victory that assures us of our liberation and salvation through the glory of Christ's sacrifice. It's a revelation that invites us into the ongoing work of God in this world, the work that's happening even as we gather here today. As Jesus says, see, I am making all things new. The thread that's been running through everything we've been building towards. The book of Acts, our past, and the book of Revelation, our future. And in the midst of it all, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I am making all things new, Jesus says. And that's what we've been witness to this Easter season. And so we've seen Jesus taking confused, wayward disciples in the book of Acts and turning them into the church. We've seen Jesus taking humanity at its most broken in the book of Revelation and turning it into God's perfection. Jesus, the beginning and the end, and us in the middle, standing with him, him who makes all things new, even taking death and turning it into life. Like I said, making things new is disruptive business. So let's talk about that disruption. In our reading from the book of Acts today, we heard this story of Paul being tossed into jail and converting the jailer to the way of Christ. A story that from beginning to end is all about disruption. At the beginning, Paul has this curious encounter that we hear about that he has with a fortune teller, a young woman controlled by a spirit that gives her gifts of divination. And it's here that we see that first disruption. Now, it's not Paul's disruption because he gets annoyed because of her following them around. Rather, it's that moment of disruption when he casts the spirit out of her and her employers realize that they just went out of business. It's disruption because this woman who had been enslaved by a spirit and enslaved by enterprising owners were making money off her. She's suddenly, in a moment, liberated by the very name of Jesus coming into her story, into her life, and making things new. Well, this displeases her owners. So what do they do? They try to isolate God's recreative spirit. They try to capture whatever power it is that Paul has, and they try and lock it down by putting him in jail. But there we find yet even another holy disruption, because even there in their attempt to silence God, to preserve their power at all costs, God makes things new again by opening the jailer's heart to the good news of Jesus, of release to the captive spirit, and Paul is set free. This is God's disruption. This is the kind of story that shakes to the core the world of greed and control that we've created. It disrupts the kind of economy that actively works to victimize people. And it disrupts the kind of politics that silences the most important voices. It's the kind of disruption that puts out of its way anything that has no place in God's kingdom. Making things new is disruptive business.
we need God's disruption. God desires to make things new in the world, but we keep trying to keep things old. We cling to an outdated system of patriarchy and privilege that's very comfortable for some, but deeply oppressive to far too many people. We're tied to old attitudes about race and sexuality that don't reflect the world we live in. Old, antiquated ideas about power and empire that don't align with the word that we hear each week. And we've created a world that definitely does not resonate with the new thing that God longs to do. Old boundaries that keep us in and others out, that maintain the finely crafted lines we've drawn around the world on the map in our cities and our countries. Walls and cages that keep people locked in or locked out, about which reasonable people could question whether the truly dangerous people are on the wrong side of the lock. God wants to make things new and even sends us Jesus Christ to invite us into it all, but still we push back and move backwards and look away because the comfort of the familiar is better than the disruption of something new. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, but we say, no, we're the beginning and the end. And so we elect leaders and saviors and heroes who enact policies and create a world that might instead be the beginning of the end in a world that seems to spend all its time working against God, working against love, working against liberation, and working against itself, in a world in which we end up very tired. This is a good disruption. It's a disruption that comes with the very kingdom of God breaking into our lives. And that's why God comes to make all things new not to just disrupt the broken way of the world, but to heal us, to heal those who are broken and tired and weary. Here again the words of John of Patmos, who wrote from his jail cell about a world longing for God's disruption, waiting for God's kingdom to break in. John, after passing along this holy vision of God's plan of salvation, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, concludes his letter to those seven churches to which he wrote, saying, Let everyone who hears say, Come. And let everyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who wishes take the water of life as a gift. In a saltwater world, John offers us fresh water. God offers us fresh water. The living water of Jesus Christ to make us new, to give us something to drink, and to bring us home. For those seven communities to whom John wrote, these words were their very cause for the hope amid their trial and persecution. It was the reason for their hope that God indeed will make all things new. And for us, too, John offers this vision and says, Come, take the water of life as a gift. See, I am making all things new, Jesus says. But sometimes even healing, even healing can look like disruption. Last Sunday, I was away from the cathedral to attend the service in which the parish where I recently served as priest in charge 
St. Luke's Lakeview in Mississauga, was closed. For a year, I worked alongside a congregation that was tired from a tumultuous parish history and a significant financial shortfall as we tried to find a new mission, a new way of working with God in that neighborhood. As we ministered in a situation that was becoming quickly more and more unsustainable, it became clear that what the people of St. Luke's needed most of all was to be let off the hook to be freed from the burden that they had placed on themselves of supporting a situation, of being trapped in a situation without any resources to do it. The closure of the church was not what they had wanted, but on last Sunday afternoon, the fine people of St. Luke's were liberated from that task, and in the weeks and months to come, they will find their faith and their life made new by drinking that same water that they first drank from, from a fresh well, as they embrace a kind of healing and refreshment that they could not have imagined during these past years of ministry. It reminds us again, making things new is disruptive business. It doesn't always look like what we want it to. It doesn't always look like what we think it should. But it always brings healing to a broken world and rest to the weary. And so we hold on We hold on because God makes us new in Jesus Christ, who is the beginning and the end. Jesus Christ, with whom we stand, wherever we are, in the middle. So if we're to stand in the middle of the disruption with Jesus, if we're to bridge our past in the book of Acts with our future in the book of Revelation, how do we do it? because God invites us to be part of that disruption. So let's do it by pointing to the disruption whenever we see God's kingdom breaking in, pointing to where God is making things new in our world. Let's do it by being ourselves part of the water of life being poured out on a tired people in a tired world, by letting people off the hook, by carrying their burdens for them by liberating those enslaved by their circumstance and the place this world has left them to be. And by acting out of our own trust in that ongoing healing work of God in the world and never losing sight of Jesus as our starting point and our finishing point. I am the Alpha and the Omega, Jesus reveals to John, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Christ is making all things new in past, present, and in the world to come. Making things new is disruptive business, but it'll be a great place when it's finished. In the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.